This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. This is a three times weekly audio show, YouTube show, whatever, but it is close season, so the rules have gone out the window, and we are on part three of the end of season review. Um, we had Joe Fares, who is back today, doing the first 12 games. Mikey Penty Smith has just done the second 12 games. Um, Joe, you're back for the... Um, well, 50% to 75%. I think you might have drawn, drawn the short straw here. I think this is the graveyard shift of the season. <laughs> yeah, at least, least we can have some um, be careful what you wish for fun with Dave on the last one. Um, Joe, um, since you have been away um, in the last shift with Mikey, um, we've lost to Norwich. Mick has started swearing in press conference and fighting with the fans again. Selena's managed to get into the team. McGoldrick nearly got castrated by Glenn Louvins. Hughes came back and I got really excited and then he went away again. Um, and the Everton fullback, well, he's actually a centre midfielder. Um, so that's what that's what we've caught you up on. But we have won three games in four going through the middle of December. I don't know about you, I was, I was optimistic again at, at this point. You know, the wins had started and, you know, there was some kind of strategy going on he'd stuck to 4-2-3-1 and okay a lot of Waghorn set plays but were you in the optimistic camp going into Christmas it, it, it was a time when even though we weren't playing that well we were, we were doing okay and we were still within touch and distance of the playoffs we were we were still looking up the table rather than down into nowhere absolutely um so we are going to pick up this is 23rd of December um Unfortunately, Wolves have gone into the stratosphere now. So we're away at Wolves, um, just going into the sort of hectic Christmas period. Um, McGoldrick makes his return. He's been out since the Sheffield Wednesday game. So I think he's about out about five or six weeks. Um, you mentioned McCarthy's skill set. This is the perfect game for McCarthy's skill set. So you're away at a team who's better than you and higher in the in the league. Stop them playing try and nick something um i got a bit of jip on on youtube on this one i thought we played quite well in this one um sat back good job on douglas and 
Doherty, the two wing-backs. Reasonably good job on Neves in the midfield. Garner's up front and he won some free kicks. Okay, we didn't play much football. Um, and I thought the goal was a pretty tough break with my with my biased Ipswich Town hat on. Maybe a hefty tackle by Jota on Cavallero. Um, Waghorn put one just wide in the second half. But by no means... Uh, we saw a lot more defensive, lame surrenders as the season went on against a lot worse teams. What were your thoughts on, on this one? This was one of Mick's classic comments for the season, wasn't it? We blinked first. There was a lot and of those, was, yeah. Miles um, Kenlock got caught out. He, he might he might have got free kick for it, but he didn't. And they broke and they scored. We, we didn't really look like we were going to score at, at any point during the game. And... It was just one of those games where we were almost playing for a nil-nil and they scored and we still played for a nil-nil. They were a much better team than us though, so it's no real embarrassment losing that, but it looked like we were happy to lose one nil and say, oh, well, they're top of the league. There's a reason why they're top of the league and we'll, we'll lose one nil. Absolutely, but context is all because you looked at that and we talked um, a bit in the previous pod about Mick kind of prioritising games. So I think what most people would have accepted is you go away to Wolves on December 23rd and, you know, you might lose. But then if you go and beat Queen's Park Rangers on Boxing Day, then that's all fine. Yeah, so um, McGoldrick starts, Ted Bishop starts because Skews is still not about Sears and I offer coming to freshen things up because it's three days. And um, Joe, what happens to Ted Bishop? Um, after, I think it's about 40 minutes, he's sort of running down the right-hand flank and his, the sniper in the crowd takes him out. And <laughs> it is the, the, the non-contact injury and you could tell it was serious straight away because he, he walked off the pitch with his head in his hands. He looked like he was in tears as he walked off the pitch. And I think the photo subsequently showed that he was. He knew, he knew it was serious. And I think everyone else did. And it was such a shame because he was probably our only bright spark in that game. And uh, we went in, we went into that game at home with 10 points from 12 at home. We'd won seven of our 11 home games that season. And our home form was what was keeping us up the table. After, after that day, we only won two more home games in the second half of the season. Jesus Christ. Um, can you just quickly on Ted Bishop, any... Any thoughts on his, I don't want to be too too tough, his kind of degeneration from a, um, you know, hyped up young player who could maybe raise you a big transfer fee one day to a, is he going to, you know, is he going to be sold on to somewhere lower type player three years later? Well, it, well it sort of can't be hidden from him. He's had a lot of injuries over, over the years since the 2014-15 season. There was sort of a friend of a friend, had, had spoken to Bishop and he had basically hamstring injuries and apparently his hips aren't aligned sort of level with each other. He'd spoken to his agent who is also Joe Cole's agent and was told he needed to seek a physio out from there all, all off his own back and went and spent tens of thousands of pounds on, on physios because the club didn't think this was the, the right assessment. He, he got himself back fit and then this happened to him that day. So that's probably part of the reason why he seems so upset. But hopefully now this issue is discovered and he knows how to manage it, how to work it. He may be able to come back flying next season. Did you read the Kieran Dyer book with the thing about the massive misdiagnosis? Yeah, and how he, he missed about 18 months of his career because there was an injury where it was his buttock wasn't Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, firing, wasn't, wasn't and, it? and then it wasn't like, supporting his muscles underneath. His hamstring, yeah. So, so it, it, it does just seem that 
there's, there's so many of these. You, you send these guys off to specialists and hope that they hope that they're going to get the right diagnosis. But the reality is, it's one person looking at a scan and making their opinion. And hopefully, with Bishop, he's another one of those where he can come back and it and it was misdiagnosis because I think in the either 16, 17 season, he did his hamstring four times. He came back, played for the under-23s, played one or two games, was off again. Did came back one or two games, off again, and and it was the same injury every t- single time. It was his hamstring every single time. So. Then they needed to find the underlying cause of that issue, and fingers crossed they have done now. And, and, and you would have given him a, well worth, you would have given him well another another new, contract. another new contract, yeah. Without a doubt, because I, I don't know what he earns. Even if he's earning five grand a week, two hundred fifty thousand pound over the over a year. Well, if he, if he is okay, and if he does get it back, that, that, you, you're not going to sign a player like that on on a wage like that because he is he is so good. If if it turns out to be the wrong decision and he's injured and he doesn't make it next year, well, it's a small small price to pay, really, to, to take that risk. And as a club of our size, you, you can't afford to let a player like that walk out the door for nothing. Absolutely. Um, very, very poor, um, the rest of this game after Bishop's gone. Five shots on target for, for both sides during the team. McCarthy waits again, this time until the 84th minute before making a change. He brings in Selena. Um, Scowan takes a red card for Rangers on 84. Joe, two questions. Um, given that you've got four fixtures and three of them are Wolves, Derby and Fulham, shouldn't you go all out to win this game? And secondly, I come on here every week and take the piss out of Ian Holloway. Why could Mick McCarthy never beat or very rarely beat Ian Holloway? Well, I think at this point, QPR were 18th in the table when we played them. And this was the home game. This was Boxing Day when you get a bigger crowd than what you normally expect. Some of these people may not live in the air and come back for family reasons at Christmas. But a lot of them are people that just want something to do on Boxing Day. And if you can give them a good game that day, then they, they may come back for the next, yeah, the might, next time. Yeah, you might sell a few that. more seats later but, in the year, yeah? Like, just as a sort of um, example, my brother-in-law comes to the Boxing Day games because we sort of do Christmas together. He comes down and... It's just, it was such a poor game. He and his brother came down with us and it's just like, God, how do you watch that every week? And it's, it's hard to describe why. It was it was poor. You've got the classic Ian Holloway comes out afterwards and says, Mick McCarthy has done an unbelievably brilliant job at Ipswich. And you think... Do, do the accent. <laughs> I, I try not to, but... Let's say we're, we're eighth at the table and, 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 or tenth at this point. We're doing well, but after a game like that, you don't want to hear a manager saying... And, your guys doing an unbelievably brilliant job when he's put that sort of pathetic excuse for performance out there. Mm, yeah, I know what you mean, and it's it, it, like in terms of your brother-in-law as well. It's cold, and it's sort of thirty-five quid for a good for a good seat as well. And you know, if you go to the cinema, that they're going to have made Fast and Furious number seventy-five, and you can sit in the warm and eat eat nachos, and and you know you'll be entertained by that, don't you? So, yes, um, bit of a chance missed, and we go to the. 30th of December, Joe, and it's Derby who are actually in in decent nick here. Um, Skews is still not around, so we get this strange spectacle again of Kevin Brew, who's um, apparently leaving at the start of the season, but is now starting home games. Um, McGoldrick gets a rest after his comeback, which is probably smart. And um, I'll use the same words I used to describe the Villa game. A very powerful and experienced Derby team. Um, Pick it, switch off. Win all heads in a Lawrence corner. Um, Selena with a little giveaway. You mentioned this type of thing, trying to play out. And uh, to to be fair to Selena, Lawrence pounces on it and then Winnell smashes one 
in the top corner. Um, Garner heads in a waghorn set play for 2-1. Derby hold on for the win. Um, is this the um, natural financial order, Joe? Or is it two pretty dull managers, two set plays and a worldie in the top corner? Um, there's, there's probably a bit of both to it. It is that they have better players than us. But we just didn't turn up in the first half. They they were one 0 up at half time, but I think they could have been three or four by half time if I remember oh, that. Fidra went through straight after the goal and um Yeah, and that was one sitter, didn't he? When they went two 0 up, it was almost like job done for them. I know Garner got one back, I think that was from a corner, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Garner got one back and but once it went back to two one, they just tightened up even further and then we just didn't I don't think we laid a glove on them after two one. We sort of huffed and puffed a little bit and there was a a number of games like that where we, where when we needed a goal, we just didn't look like we were going to score one. Then we might have got a corner here or a half chance there, but we never were hammering the door down trying trying to score in a game like this. And it just petered out into into a two one defeat. And then sort of what looked the sort of bad result of Wolves becomes a terrible result because it goes from to one point and nine after that. Mm, absolutely. So New Year. Off we go to Fulham. We're not playing on New Year's Day. It's the the following night. And Fulham have started their ludicrous run that took them right up to the last game of not losing for 22 games or whatever. Um, obviously, we've had several hide-ins from uh, Fulham as this goes. Um, it's pouring down with rain. Thankfully, Skews is back. Um, but Webster's gone and replaced by Smith, which really didn't work out well at Cardiff. Um, Fulham, like I say, are in the early stages of that run. The plan is as normal um, from McCarthy. You're away at a team who's better than you. You sit back. You try not to concede and score from a set play. And hallelujah, praise the Lord, at half-time, this um, this plan is actually working. Um, I mean, it's which was so deep and so narrow, but I, I can't sit here and argue when the score is nil-one at half-time. That, that's... Um, you know, solid evidence that the plan's working. Um, you guessed it. It's a waghorn set play and a Garner header yet again. Um, and then I had a bit of a meltdown over this on YouTube. 54 minutes. Sears brings the ball out for a rare counter-attack. Uh, Camera, who's twice the size of him, barges him over and the ref gives nothing, um, at which point Jordan Spence basically, I don't know what happens in his in his head, the, the joined up thinking stops and he pretty much attacks uh, Kamara in a kind of like revenge tackle um, definite red but I'm still arguing now that the ref has not done his job he blows for the first tackle and Spence doesn't have anything to but um, yeah I had fun with some Fulham fans over that um, we last another 15 minutes 10 versus 11 against the best passers in the league and then it's a horrible horrible collapse um, four goals in seven minutes um, I, we, we're not 606 style we was robbed type thing Joe but my my argument here is that Ipswich have proven that they're perfectly capable of losing to Fulham without anything going against them and they will 1-0 up and however clandestine the, pra- the plan was or however prehistoric the plan was it was working it was 69 minutes 1-0 um am I am I right to be whining about this or would we just would we have just lost anyway <laughs> No, I, I think so. It's a, it's a difficult one because football is a low-scoring game when you compare it to other sports. And, and it is a game of fine margins. And 
you set your team up in a certain way, and if you get the first goal, that's such a, that's such a huge goal in the game. We Fulham are a better team than us, and they're they're going to beat us most times they play us. The, the way they play, McCarthy hasn't really never really found a way of dealing with how they played. <laughs> never never got near him, yeah. No, and um, but th- but this time we like, like you say we were one 0 up, sort of leading into the second half. They were starting to get a bit frustrated, and their natural passing game was sort of drifting away a little bit. They were, they were getting a little bit desperate. Even with sort of over half an hour of the game left, they were starting to lump it into the box and going, going away from what has made them what has made them the team that they are. And obviously this was early in their brilliant run. And I agree I agree with you 100% about the red card as well. The I'm not a big fan of that Kamara. He's a diving twat, basically. <laughs> he... Um, Every game he seems to go down and have a ridiculous reaction to one. He did it against Derby in the playoffs where he's threw one goal, one-on-one. I was Scott there. Carson comes out and he yeah. just throws himself to the ground. He got a yellow it card for that one, yeah. yeah it, it was a definite foul on Freddie Sears. And yes, Jordan Spence probably shouldn't have reacted as he did. But all he did was just go in and put a sort of hefty challenge in on him. It wasn't a straight red card, violent conduct. It was a probably an orange card, sort of somewhere between... If, it, if, it, if, if the ref had booked him for that, no one would have said it's a terrible decision to only book him for that in the same way that he sent him off and it's like, oh, well, now you've seen the replay, you can see it. But it should never have got to that because it was a ridiculous challenge in the first place. But it happened and we, we should have dealt with it better than we did. And sort of four goals in seven minutes is embarrassing at any level, really. And Mick, Mick tried to change it about, but Fulham were just absolutely flying at that point. And once, once they got a head of steam up, it was... You just you couldn't really see, believe what you have seeing with your eyes there. It's just every time they went forward, they scored, and that's just sort of the way it goes sometimes. Tommy Smith isn't adept at dealing with quick passing football because he's a little bit flat-footed sometimes as a centre back. And Mick tried. I think he took the Goldrick off and brought Iolfer on, but by the time he did that, it was it was too late, and we'd already lost the game. No, but, absolutely. Um, I think as well, there's a bit of an element of um, when you go through this season as well of just them being a little bit of a soft touch whenever you bring up any mitigating circumstance you know like Kenlock gets barged over game over dodgy mm. red card game over Derby score from a from a, the first corner game. do you know what I mean whenever a mitigating circumstance went again this against this team it mm. they didn't have the, the the skill or the the kind of cojones to get to get back well, we don't have enough goals in this to get back into games do we like we had a Purple patch at the start of the season where we were scoring two goals a game, but if when you're sort of only scoring one goal a game for three quarters of a season, which is what we did, when you concede a bad goal, you aren't you aren't going to have two in two in you. You need to the games need to be played out, and you need to try and capitalise on their mistakes, not make any on your own. Where if you if you make one on your own, we we didn't have the capability to do anything with it. Absolutely, absolutely agree. Um, 13th of January now, so on a, a very bad run, your your one point in nine you mentioned is yeah. now one point in 12. Um, we had a cup game in between that one though, didn't we? We had a cup game. I've scrolled yeah. down too far on my iPad. <laughs> now, this was bloody boring, wasn't it? Right, so sorry, 6th of January. Um, terrible Christmas period, one point from four. Um, and the highly depressing spectacle of a Mick McCarthy FA Cup game arrives. We expect a weakened team. You mentioned this on the last pod about if you're going to do a weakened team, do a weakened team. But this is, I remember Dave saying this on the pod, this team's not that far off what we would have, what we would have played in the league. Right. It's, but I offer Nudson Chambers, Kenlock, Connolly Brew, Hyam. Um, I think that was a comeback for Hyam possibly. Selena Sears, McGoldrick. Um, 
Thomas smashes the winner in for the Blades. Um, and they've got a much weaker team out than Ipswich. They've rested far more sort of first-team players. Um, McCarthy makes one change. He brings Waghorn in on 61 minutes and then basically lets the clock run down knowing that he doesn't want to go up to uh, Yorkshire for a, for a replay. Um, is this an indictment of the squad strength or the lack of footballing philosophy given that Sheffield United played a load of reserves, played exactly the same system as the first team and they could all do do the same thing or the manager's just the manager's apathy towards cup football where no one really gave a gave a crap? Um, it, it wasn't an enjoyable game. It was probably the only positive was Luke Hyam getting a start because he, I think he'd come on against Fulham and that'd been his first game for 19 months. But like you're saying, Sheffield United had a much weaker team than we did out there. A lot of younger players, and we just we just we didn't actually have a shot on target in that game. There, um, there was real frustrations at McCarthy the final whistle, and I think that was a, the first time that season where there was really a loud anti-McCarthy sentiment during a game and at the end of a game, and that was with a smaller crowd there. Um, it was it was a dreadful game. We like I was saying, we, we didn't have a shot. It was the fifth or I think it's since 2010 we haven't got through an FA Cup third round tie, and there was a big, big opportunity here with a home home tie against a divisional rival who we were probably above in the league at that time on the 40th anniversary of winning the cup, which the club were going to make a song and dance about at the end of the year, rightly so because it was a huge achievement. That we just needed to win a couple of games in, in the FA Cup. We could have beaten them, and who who knows what you get there? But the the sort of the club deserves better than McCarthy gave us in the, in the cups over over his whole reign, and this was just another another tie that summed it up effectively. And um, a lot of annoyance at Aaron Drynan being talked up in the press conference before and being put on the bench, and um, again, sort of, you know, not not touched, not willing to really try no. anything. And it was it was also this morning that the news that Tommy Smith was going to be leaving broke as well where sort of a total bolt from the blue that Tommy Smith was going to be going. And that, that frustrated me as a, a player who has proven to be a, a good championship defender over the last four or five seasons, that a manager that no one expected to be there the following season was making decisions on on players, whether whether it's his decision or the club's decision or Tommy's decision, we, we don't know. But ironically, Cameron Carter-Vickers was starting for Sheffield United that day. But... Yeah, um, more from him very soon. So, yeah, I needed to keep my powder dry there because we are now going to go to the 13th of January <laughs> and we need to arrest this run in the league. And it's Leeds United who, um, maybe you'll smarten me up, Joe, I think have a terrible record at, at Portman Road. Um, and the club, for the first time, Joe, are going to move the season ticket holders in the upper tier of the Cubold stand. I, I know we, I know we all laugh and joke. Oh, Leeds brought five hundred thousand, you know, to whatever game, but they actually did. They, um, the club, basically take the money from the Leeds fans to to fill the stadium. Um, Bar is not around amidst hundreds of rumours of uh, Crystal Palace and all sorts. Gherkin plays, and from what we know now, he plays injured and plays very well actually. Um, Webster's still out. Knudsen comes in centre half. Ward misses out. It's Decent four up front. It's, it's Selena Waghorn, McGoldrick behind Garner. Um, O'Kane gets himself sent off for a headbutt after 34 minutes and then a brilliant goal. Um, it was voted goal of the season in our 
pole by Selina in the second half, gets the win against 10 men. Um, Joe, if Leeds hadn't gone down to 10, would we have won? Um, in the six games so far, we've done um, three goals, two set plays and that individual goal. What does that say about the football and the ability to create chances? Well, it, like you can, you can sometimes score three goals in six games and be unlucky to have only scored three goals. When you look at the chances we created over those six games, three goals are probably all we deserved. We, like I said we didn't have a shot on target against United, against Derby. We barely had a sh- we barely had a shot, and this was just summing up how we how we were at the moment, especially at home. We just did not create anything. But this game, I actually thought was a, was a good game that season. I, I enjoyed it probably because I went with my father-in-law, who's a Leeds fan, so it's always nice to get one over him. But having all the Leeds fans in the cobbled stand up and made for a better atmosphere there was a red card where O'Kane headbutted Knudsen that, that got the crowd going they didn't think it was a red card when it clearly was but it actually it actually felt like a proper game at Portman Road and there were so many ball fests there where the games were instantly forgettable that this one was actually one I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the actual game to it there, there was a good atmosphere there was something riding on it there was a bit of needle there was a there was a good goal to win it there was there was what you want in a championship game of football, not just one team trying to nullify the other and going through the motions sometimes. Would would um, would Ipswich have won if O'Kane hadn't got sent off? Um, I, I don't know. He did get sent off, so that's all that matters, isn't it? <laughs> would have been nil nil, wouldn't it? Yeah, po- possibly, but that that did fi- that fired the game up that one. So the game was sort of dr- drifting away a little bit at that point, and that fired the game right up, and it made it a decent game. So. You can always rely on Leeds to have someone sent off a Portman Road. I think in that run, they had three red cards in four games or something. And one was for spitting as well. That was just... Had he gone yet, Christensen, at that point? I think... No, I think he was a just, fair bit later. Yeah. yeah, he was on his way, wasn't he? Um, before we get to Bolton, Cameron Carter-Vickers comes in on loan. And the Tommy Smith deal is finalised to go to the Colorado Rapids. Also signed is Stephen Gleeson, a... Um, Irish or Northern Irish? I can't remember. Irish, yeah. Irish midfi- uh, centre midfielder on a short-term contract to the end of the season. Um, thoughts on that business? You've talked about Smith a little bit already, but Carter Vickers? I thought he was a really good signing. I thought he played very well for us over the course of the season. Um, I'd definitely take him back next year if there's a chance of having him for the season. He was strong as an ox, read the game well, de- decent on the ball. He's, he sometimes looked like he had a mistake in him, but he didn't actually make... I don't think he made any for town when, it, when he was uh, here. Magoma against Birmingham. Okay, he made one for town. <laughs> dragged, dragged him down from behind. Yeah. But, but no, I, I thought he was a really really good player, a really good prospect. And when you see he's only sort of 19, 20, he's, he's going to go a long way in the game. And what about Gleeson? Um, I, I, I wasn't too pleased with the signings. I just didn't really see the point in it. But I think at that point we had eight central midfielders either out or carrying a knock. And I thought, well, look, he's a, he's a decent championship player. He'll, he'll throughout the rest of the season, he'll do a job. I, I thought he was actually really poor for town when he signed. I know him and sort of later in the month, Carriol signed as sort of short-term signings. I thought Carriol did really well when he was fit. And I thought Gleeson was just quite a poor player. Um, up we go to, Freezing cold Bolton, 20th of January. Um, Carter Vickers goes straight into the team. Webster is still not around now for all of the year. Um, rest of the team pretty much settled. Um, and I know I've said it before. This goes in the first half of this game was just, oh, it was 
unwatchable. It was horrific, and it was both. It was both teams. It wasn't. It was Parkinson as well as uh, McCarthy. Very very poor. Um, Gleason comes in for skews at half time. Medine um, later to be sold on deadline day puts Bolton in front. Um, and then after all that utterly drivel, horrible football, Lipswich <laughs> scored a really brilliant goal with some. Quick passing from McGoldrick um, and sliding it across to Garner, who continues his good form. And then after that, amazingly, Waghorn smashes a curling left footer off the off the bar. Um, not neither side deserved to. And again, you look at all the fixtures, and it's like right, you've done Derby, you've done Fulham, you've done Wolves. Right, go and beat Bolton. Why so bad, Joe? Um, if if I knew the answer to that, I'd have told Mick McCarthy, but. He, he just he described this one as the worst game he'd seen all season uh, until Bolton scored. It didn't get going. But again, as, as we were saying in the part one of the season review, Mick is happy to take a draw away from home and try and nick it late. And Bolton seemed like they were happy to take a point. And when both teams are happy to take a point, the game does just drift into nothingness. And too many times that happened this, this season. And it got to, I think they scored sort of about 60-odd minute. And... After that, it's like, oh, well, we do actually need to score if we want to get something out of this game. And you just think, had we turned up with that attitude, would we have beaten them? Would we would we have be, sort of gone ahead early and beaten them? And there was too too many games where we never never found out what we could have done had we had we actually tried to win the game. On um, on Gleeson, um, I thought he was all right in that game. I thought, um, we'll come on to the, the Norwich game, but um, I did kind of look and think, Oh, maybe this guy can can pass. He seemed to be able to, you know, float float across in and. But yeah, um, I think it went downhill for him from then on. Um, yeah, he, Gleason's obviously not a terrible player. He's he's done it at this level, sort of played well. I think he's been called up to the Ireland squad, but he he just never seemed to find his role in the town team. And there's been have been a few midfielders that have have done that under Mick, where maybe if they're better on the ball and look to take the ball from the defence and pass it through, through the thirds, we, we don't look to play that way. We, we look to get it forward quickly and try and play from that point. So maybe Gleeson was a, just suffered in the system. I don't know, but he, he didn't impress. Um, annoyed me this, the 27th of Jan. I don't like it when the fixed team is. I think you need, you need to play the, the team's, you know, in different moments in the season. And it, um, you're playing Wolves sort of five weeks after you've, after you've played them before. Annoying as it is that they were in good form for the for the whole time. So back come Wolves. Um, Skews misses out um, again. Um, so Gleeson starts. McGoldrick starts his fifth game out of six. Um, Wolves dominate this one, Joe. Take the lead on 15. Um, nice uh, one wing back cross into the other and Doherty heads it in. And then... Um, they shut the game down in a way that McCarthy tries to do a beautiful 5-4-1 in the second half. Um, and very good um, from Bialkowski in, in this game. Could have been could have been through. Just too good for us, Joe? Yep, and we were... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I don't know. I, I, I didn't feel too bad about this game. They were just a better team than us, and whatever we tried to do, we didn't. We, we couldn't find a way through. Bart was a comfortable man of the match in this one. I remember one sort of brilliant save when the guy was through. I can't remember who it was. Jotter, I think, when he was through two on one, and how he how he didn't score, I'll never know. But this was, of course, a day after Bielkowski agreed his new two year contract. So I'm still waiting for him to sign it, but he agreed at that day apparently. So. Mm, and confirmed in the Polish World Cup squad, so he's going to be on a lot of TVs in front of a, a lot of yeah. every single and football agent in the world in Russia as well. He won't it, play, it, but, um, you know. It, it now sounds like Mick was the one pushing the agreeing of that deal through, but Bielkowski was a man of the match that day, and when it was, he came into the suite to do the sponsors' talks, and I said, oh, so you've agreed your deal? And he's like, yeah, another three years plus a another year option. So it sounded like it was very close to being agreed, but four four or five months later, it still hasn't been agreed. So we'll, we'll see what that means. I know we, we've still got another year. We've, we've still got another year's contract agreed, but will we be seeing him next year? The value decreases every day after the World Cup um, yeah. finishes, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, probably the, the his maximum value is the, the minute Russia are knocked out, uh, Poland, sorry, are knocked out of the World yeah. Cup. The, the value drops off from there, doesn't it? Um, so transfer deadline passes and uh, nothing happens. I'm one of these saps there sitting on my mobile buying all the rumours about Jordan Rhodes coming, <laughs> coming in on loan. But um, that's the football fan in all of us. Logic goes out the window, doesn't it? And we believe a lot of crap sometimes. But um, 3rd of February, off to Sunderland, who are terrible, frankly, and bottom of the league and... Um, to be doomed and you know relegated in the future. Um, Ipswich are on a win, a run of one win in eight games, so very, very desperate uh, for a win. They've dropped down to 12th in the table. Um, McGoldrick has disappeared again, Joe. So Ward and Sears both start, and new speed merchant Mustafa Karel is on the bench. Um, strange one this because um, you and Mikey both talked about lack of first half goals. Two 0 up at. Half time here. Um, another one for Garner, who's in, who's in very good form at this point. Own goal by Matthews. Um, I don't want to be negative about this, but we managed to um, manage to dispatch 
bottom of the league um, Sunderland and ten man leads in this <laughs> in this game. Um, your thoughts on the on the Sunderland win? I see. I, see, I think it's a good win, a good performance. As much as Sunderland were poor and in dire straits, it's it's never easy to go anywhere in the Championship and to pick up three points. And while it's easy to say oh, we only beat ten man leads and bottom of the league Sunderland over this period, they're still good wins and. It's easy to, in hindsight to say, oh, well, you, if you don't beat them, what are you going to do? But you've, you've still got to turn up and beat them. And at that point, they were still within a real chance of staying up. I think they'd picked up a couple of results in the, in the lead up to the game. I'm not 100% sure on that. But we went there and Garner scored a very good goal. The second goal was sort of good work from Grant Ward, who I, who I thought all season was very unlucky to play the fewer game. Few, as few games as he did, because whenever he Agreed. seemed to play last year, he seemed to do a decent job. But the problem was when um, McCarthy was trying to match up with all these other teams, he, he very rarely found a role for Ward in the team. So I think he's a player that could could be a really good player next season under a new manager. So like I say, I, I know he, he made the second goal here and I, I, I was pleased with that game. I thought, I thought it was a good win and hopefully it was something that we could kick on with from there. And when you're talking about Ward, are you talking about the right side forward in a four-two-three-one next season. Gen- I, f- I think so. Yeah. Um, when when you look at the the way Paul Hurst has set his teams up, the four-two-three-one or the four-one-four-one, he's generally had midfielders playing forward as as his wide players, as opposed to forwards playing back, which is is a very different role. Someone like Grant Ward is going to approach that right hand right-hand side role very different to Freddie Sears because he's, he knows the commitment of defending and being a midfielder and it's up to him to try and add an extra element to his game of scoring goals and getting forwards where in, in some in some ways that's a much easier element to your game to add than it is to be able to go from a goal scorer who gets in the right place to be able to defend responsibly and you do need that in the championship so it's a tough league and hopefully someone like Grant Ward and he can find someone on the left to play that way. Mm, no, very good, very good. Um, so you've beaten Sunderland and you've stopped the one win in eight and the spectre of Norwich is looming. Up come Burton, who um, McCarthy beat every time he played them since they'd been up. And you're thinking home game before the local derby, clean sheet, another win, go into the Norwich game, um, you know, good form. Um, and yeah... Nil-nil at home to Burton. Sears makes way for Selina, who'd scored the winner in the first game. Um, do you know, I don't even remember much about this. Um, debut of Carriel, who seemed to add something. I remember Darren Bent getting through one-on-one and also Burton nearly scoring from a corner towards the end. So another good performance from Bielkowski. Um Headline attendance figure, which the, um, the our friends up the road loved on Twitter, of 13,000... 815. I think that was the first one that had dropped. I think I'm right about that. Under the 14,000, other than the FA Cup game. Why, why, why couldn't we beat Burton, Joe? Um, I didn't actually go to that game. I was I was at Hamilton. Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. That, so. Oh, how was Hamilton? Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it sounded like it was better than the game. My mum actually had my season ticket, and I had about four or five updates before the game of. You could buy a season year. ticket for the price of a Hamilton ticket, couldn't you? Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> no, we were, we were lucky to get returned, so it wasn't too bad. But um, yeah, so I had about five or six updates before the game, and about someone being there. She spoke to someone, and there, and then the game started, and the update slowed. So I texted her at half time saying, "Has anything happened?" And she was like, 
no, nothing has happened in the game. Burton are better than us. And then, she was right. She was right. <laughs> yeah. And then nothing else happened in the second half. And it was just like, we were lucky to get a point. And I was like, oh, well, if my mum can even see it, it's a damn right. diamond of the team. And I watched the highlights back and they, they passed us off the park. They, they had a guy on loan from Manchester City playing in yeah. centre midfield who Dave really Jake, liked. Jacob Davenport, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... And it's like we, we we didn't play a defensive team, but we didn't it, well from the highlights we didn't we didn't create one thing in the whole game. And I think it was Luke Chambers nearly scored an own goal in in injury time. And Bielkowski made a brilliant save in the last ten minutes. And Mick McCarthy just described it as the worst home game of the season, the worst performance of the season. It was witnessed by the lowest crowd for twenty years. So at this point, I think we all knew the season was was over, and we just had. Norwich to be effectively and that was that was our season was basically in one game the following week ouch um international break in shoes um no it doesn't it's only eight days no international break at all I'm talking rubbish again Joe um local derby number two come wasn't it national break it was half term wasn't it I got the <laughs> I got the week off um so we start the build-up from for the Norwich game and like you've said um, I think it was actually the same for Norwich as well. They didn't have anything to play for at, at this point either. It was possibly 13th versus 12th or 12th versus 11th or something like that. And off we go. Sky TV, Sunday, 18th of February. There's... Their, their fans were still positive at this point. They, they still thought they had a winning run in them that could propel them to the playoffs. Where we, just, I think we were ahead of them in the table. And we, didn't, we didn't have a hope. We, we, we'd given up on the playoffs at this point. But they still... I think it was Darren Eady or someone on co-commentary saying, oh, if they win eight of their last 11 games or they're going to make the playoffs. And I was thinking... Well, this was... Um, I made my fabled appearance on the Talk Norwich City um, podcast, much to the um, joy of the internet. And we had exactly the same thing where I was a, I was being all... And they were all... And the punchline was... Hang on a minute, then. All your players are better than ours, and you're better than us. Why? Why are you below us in the table, then? Yeah. You know, either we're being very negative, or you're being very positive. Anyway, so much to say. Um, and for the first time in months, Joe, the three-five-two. We had a sneaking suspicion based on the matching up. I mean, Norwich play a three-four-three, but you know, the, the you know, you move, move a few little pegs about, and you, you, you're matching up ish. Webster comes back at centre half. Um, Iorfa comes in at right wing back um, to mix credit in a very deliberate tactic to get because he's a foot taller than Jamal Lewis and there's yeah. a there's a diagonal ball out there. Um, it's that's a right, mid- the away fans in the first half. Um, it's a midfield three. Um, Gleeson um, starting and did you know I, I'm racking my brains. Garner and Waghorn up front in a two. Had that actually that actually happened more than once? I. I, I, well, not, as, not as an actual two they've no. often been on the pitch together but it's hard the thing is we were so fluid with our formations as much as Mick is sort of seen as a tactical dinosaur he may have been copying other teams but we were very very fluid we, we made a lot of changes people weren't playing the same roles very often and as, as much as Waghorn and Garner had played together they, they very rarely had played no. as a out and out front two it was always McGoldrick if there was a two would be the the second guy with with Garner at the start of the season and you know we, we then we saw Waghorn and Sears a couple of times and whatnot so so this happens um Ipswich play play well in the first half um the tactic the diagonal um I offer on top crowding 
around and they have Norwich in Norwich in very well but um I thought I thought um Ipswich had the first half um I think Luke Chambers had it right in his interview in the second half Norwich were um on on top but I think a couple of free kicks made it look worse than it was because you end up being pushed right back um and it's Madison against Bielkowski um and Bielkowski equal to those um Madison had improved greatly since the first game and gets some pretty hefty treatment. Five Ipswich players booked in some foul rotation then. And I don't really want to talk about this, Joe. We reached the 89th minute and there's three vital things I want you to... I want you to... Go on, do it. Chambers scored. Then they scored. (laughs) Very late. It's something... So, once again, it's a waghorn corner and Chambers heads it in and um, Mikey and I talked about this lots of people moaning and whining including David we had a big debate about this um, about Waghorn's corners in the first half Uh, Mikey had it right Martin Waghorn is perfectly capable of floating a ball in a hundred times out of a hundred that you'll never score from but he kept trying the um, the bullet corner into the six yard box and when it works you invariably either score or you know something happens um but the thing you missed out joe is that and we talk about team savviness and winning games is that at one nil um nudson is clear through with a easy um eight yard pass i forget whether it was i think it was to mcgoldrick and this team just didn't know how to win and he panics and he overplays the ball and we should have won that game two nil um and 95th minute you can always concede a goal in the 95th minute just chaos but unfortunately our wonderful goalkeeper um left his position and left closer an open goal really and i i've just never seen never seen anything like it no that was it was it's sort of tough to remember back to that one because as much as it was a nothing derby at the end of the season I sort of I celebrated Chambers' goal as much as I celebrated Tommy Smith's goal when we when we scored there in the playoffs, and mm. I really thought we'd got one over them. And they're so smug for for no real reason, the Norwich fans. That I, even now they're talking about oh, Ipswich think they're gonna they're starting to get back on top of us. And I think well, we actually finished above you in the league last year, and as as bad as we think we were, you think you've had an all right transitional season, but I don't I don't really see anything that they're transitioning to when their best player is leaving and their second best player has left in the goalkeeper. Um, we sort of scored the goal. As, as you said, with Nudson, he wasn't savvy enough. We, I don't know where the five minutes of injury time came from, but it's hard to moan about that without sounding a little bit salty about things. Mm. But there was, there was no way there was five minutes of injury time because no, nothing had really happened in that half to sort of to allow for him. And we seemed a few times to be on the wrong end of those sorts. When we were, when we were losing... <coughs> Sorry, we um, we seem to be like three minutes injury time, but when we were winning, there always seemed to be four or five minutes. And it cost us against Sheffield Wednesday at home. It cost us against Norwich and Forest. There's a real need for it. Oh, yeah, Forest in, at the at the very end of the season, <coughs> and it was just, oh, especially because it's right in front of the whole away end. You could see it happening once Bielkowski went out, and it was just caught out in no man's land, and just the oh, just. Hate Carrow Road and <laughs> just losing there. I like when I we used to always win there when I went. I went probably five or six times without seeing us lose, and now that that music just like, gives me nightmares now when I hear it. And 
they were so happy with a point and it's just like we just needed to beat them in that nothing game just to get this ridiculous run over and done with but they hold on to the superiority in the in the in the derbies and it's ghouling it's extremely ghouling um what we didn't know standing in the away fans um, is that when Luke Chambers scored, um, Mick McCarthy is caught on camera um, saying, fucking get in there, turning to the Ipswich fans and saying, fuck off. Um, I, when I, when I heard about this on Twitter, cause you, you're in the ground, you didn't, I didn't even know it was happening. And I think Dave texted me and said, did you see what Mick did when we scored? And I'm like, I've got no, you, I come out of the ground and I'm, I quickly going to make my, my video to get it up as, as quick as possible. I didn't think much of it at the time. Um, but you, you tell, tell, tell me your view on that type of behavior and, and the karmic influence of, um, of the 90 of him doing that. And then the 95th minute go <laughs> Um, I, I, I um, saw it on Twitter as I was leaving the ground. So we'd obviously been penned in for a little bit at the end oh, of the game. Yeah. At the end of the game. So I'd, I'd seen it as I was walking down the stairs. And I just... Like, I did, generally, I've been pretty fair to Mick. I, I wasn't a particularly big Mick out. I think it was time for him to go. And I, I thought it was time for him to go at the end of last season. And I was sure it was time for him to go at the end of this season. But he just didn't do himself any favours throughout the season. He, as we said on the first part of the review... Um, he seemed to think that if we started winning games, the fans would come back. And it just, he didn't realise that it was so far past that. And there was the Nottingham Forest game where we win well or the Sunderland game. And he goes in the press conference afterwards and rather than sort of celebrate the victory, he, he's still saying, "Never forget." I still remember the fans saying, Mick McCarthy, your football is shit. I still remember this. I still remember that. And I just think, get over it, Mick. Like, we've got to get over it. You need to get over it. And then the Burton game where... Selena scored and he's, oh, if they thought I brought them on because of this and this game, it would have been another, even if we'd have won, it would have been another win overshadowed by McCarthy's comments to the fans that all the people that hated Mick, and there was a number of them by the end of the season, could just say, yeah, we won, but Mick did this. Yeah, we won, but Mick did that. And it just frustrated me as someone that was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt that he just couldn't help but spoil any moment that we had. He couldn't hold out an olive branch between him and the fans. It was, and I think there was a couple of games afterwards saying, I'm, I'm not going to be forced out of this club by a noisy majority, minority. And it's like, it's not a minority anymore because you, you can't help yourself. And he, he apologised for his, he, he denied that the, it's the fuck off basically was to the fans. He then was obviously forced by, I presumably Marcus Evans to apologise to the fans. He doubled down on the, it wasn't to the fans. And it's like, we're not idiots. We we know where that fuck off was pointed to. And you were pointing straight at the away fans. You ran over. And I personally, I was embarrassed by the fans' conduct when he was taken off a right back. I'm just looking right up back. the it substitution. It was Iorfa that went off and Spence came on. Okay. And he, and he got up and said, "You." the fans were saying, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what Mick you're McCarthy, doing. McCarthy, your football is... And the Norwich fans then joined in with that. And I thought, we're sort of here, sort of behind enemy lines at Carrow Road, and we're giving them something to shout about at nil-nil in the derby with 10 minutes left. And that's just ri- ridiculous, in, in, in my view. If we were 2-0 down and he was making that change, yeah, I could I could understand it. Even even if it was an injury, you've got to be showing some intent to to sort of try and get back into the game. But at that point, it was clear an injury for an injury, or sorry, an injury substitution, and the fans embarrassed themselves 
with that chant. But then, as I was saying before, Mick can't help but sort of sink to their levels and go lower. Well, what I've always said is that neither side covered themselves in glory. They both both sides, but the argument is always that Mick, as the the guy who's in charge, who's being paid to be there rather than paying to be there, needs to hold himself to a. If you're in a public position in life, certain things have to. If you or I do that, no one cares because we're not famous football managers. But he needs to hold himself to a higher standard, and even if our fans are being which yeah i agree it was a bit cringy you know playing into the norwich because they they started singing long live mccarthy you know after that and it was almost like and i've heard jack and chris say it on talk norwich city they like mick mccarthy they think he's one of they think he's one of them so oh dear it was yeah you've got you've got to rise above it don't you if you're in that position but hold yourself to a high standard yeah if you're an if you're an MP and people are shouting and swearing at you, if you turn around and tell them to fuck off, you're going to get, you get fired. Up. Yeah, you get Where, fired immediately. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying Mick should have been fired on the spot for that, but there there was a number of times throughout the season where he just couldn't help himself. And I think if the chairman was a bit stronger and and as his exit ended, he didn't want to pay Mick off. It seemed to make him leave. I think he would have. I think he would have given him the boot earlier on, but. He, he couldn't do it because the relationship with the fans had just got to such a ridiculous level at that point. One more to go, Joe. One more. Game number 12 of this run, 21st of February. Um, and just when you face Norwich, what do you want to see? A Neil Warnock team, hey? Um, and I sensed that the players were still a little bit affected by the Norwich game, I thought, mm. in this. I, I thought a kind of sense of... Um, you know when someone goes into shock I, I thought and they just kind of not themselves I thought a little bit of that um, 3-5-2 stays Joe income Hyam Ward Spence Sears for oh and Selena for Gleeson Connolly I offer Waghorn and Garner giving the game again a bit of a again against his mate Warnock a bit of a um, friendly type feel um, Cardiff are on a strange run of consecutive wins that would ultimately see them get automatic promotion. Um, what I will say is, given no Garner or I offer around, Ipswich actually passed the ball differently in this game. They um, Not necessarily better, but there was a definite attempt to play through. Um, the Warnock machine, though, you, you, you could have written it. You'll say they'll keep a clean sheet, they'll play horrible football, and they'll score from a knockdown from a, from a set play. And they did, but... Um, uh, winning football is good football, Joe. Um, so uh, no, <laughs> your face. no, no sour grapes there. Um, a bit on a bit on the slightly different style and a bit on bit on Warnock for me, please, Joe. Um, I thought we actually played quite well in this game in the first half, but without really creating anything. Played in front um, of them. They were just a big team of hoofers and bulliers and strikers, long throws, balls into it and. The goal came. It was never a free kick when when they got the free kick. It was launched into the box. The guy caught the ball, put the ball down on the ground, and then then scored from it. It was a blatant handball. It should it should never have counted. It should never have been a free kick. It should never have counted. But then once they scored the game, they just shut the game down. And I don't actually I don't actually mind Warnock. I think whilst he is of that similar ilk to Mick in that he is sort of long ball football and. But he's he's sort of the more he's he's like an attacking Mick McCarthy. He's ha- he's happy to have 
sort of flair players that stay up the other end of the pitch and try and score goals and he'll defend with his seven and he'll leave three up there where Mick wants to defend as a 10 and try and move forward as a 10. Well, Warnock doesn't do that. He, he'll have a, over, over his career, you can see sort of a Mendez Lang, uh, Junior Hoyler, Adult Tarat. Sheffield United, his sides were, scored a lot of goals. Michael Brown. Michael Brown. And Tommy he, Johnson, Mark Draper. He's always he always has had a lot of strikers in his squad because he's always been of the opinion that you at this level, the sort of lower down, you you, you do not have strikers that are too good to, to ever be dropped. You just need to play the hot hand effectively, and you get you get yourself four or five good strikers, and you just go with who's playing well at the moment. If they're scoring goals, you keep them in the team. If they're not, you put someone else in, and they keep each other on their toes, and and they, and they score goals. And Warnock's never going to sort of die wondering. He's always going to try and win the game first and then sort of when it comes down to it not lose it and it and it's a case that towards the end of the season he, he does maybe lose his sort of nerve a little bit once he's sort of in that position where promotion is in sight that you then realise that points become sort of individual points become important at that point of the season but he gets himself in that position by winning games and they might be one nils, they might be two ones but he, he tries to win games I was at Cardiff versus uh, Derby versus Cardiff about four games from the end of the season, and I'd seen Cardiff a few times. Um, saw them at Millwall as as well, um, and the you've you've nailed all the differences. There's one other that McCarthy's direct style actually builds up some rhythm, whereas Warnock wants the game to stop as often as possible. Every throw in is you know over goes Morrison chucks it down the line to try and win another throw and that Gunnison's then going to sling into the box. When Gunnison's lining up, up go Morrison and, and Bamber. And it says, and you're an NFL guy, aren't you? It's very much a defense and an offense, isn't it? Yeah. With, with, but my, my argument always is if, if you're too good for this type of football, you should be able to beat it and <laughs> finish second. Yeah. That's, it still amazed me that they finished second because I, I didn't think they were a particularly good side when I saw them, but they, they knew what they did. They knew what they did well, and they made sure they they made sure they did it. They, and they, where sometimes you can end up trying to do what you want to do and not being able to impose yourself on the game. But the way that he sets his teams up, the way that he plays, you can't not impose yourself when you're playing that sort of football because you can't stop yourself from getting throw-ins in your own half and trying to build him from there. You you just go from there effectively, and he he knows what he's doing. He's, he, he did a brilliant job. They end up with like 90 points, didn't they? Yeah, ne- nearly two per game. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're we're straying from Ipswich, but Joe, that's the end of those twelve games in the the kind of third quarter. Um, I've written some stats down. Um, played twelve, won two, drew four, lost six, four five, and I think most of them were Waghorn corners or free kicks being headed in or. Selena 25 yarders or whatnot um, against 12. Strangely, if you take the Fulham game out where we conceded four, defence is actually really good at it at this point. You know, you're, you're conceding less than a goal per game. Um, start position was eighth and you're two off the playoff. The end position was 14th and you're nine off the playoffs. Um, what, what went wrong in this period that took you from a good season to a mediocre season? We didn't score any goals. <laughs> sort of, it simply, we, we just we just stopped scoring goals, didn't we? And and especially at home, we we went from a team that was scoring four against Forest, five against Sunderland, 
two against Bolton, two against Reading, and we just we just stopped scoring and we stopped creating chances at home. It was it's not sort of rocket science. You need, you need to score goals to win games, and you need to create chances to score goals, and, and we we did neither. Wow, Joe, we did it. We got through the we got through the depressing period. Um, great stuff. Uh, Dave is going to be here for the. Um, the great flounce out by by Mick. I don't know when we're going to record that, but um, you can relive at least at least a bit of a more dramatic narrative than that. Um, throw his teacup down and disgust. I've got I've got this can of Pepsi here. I'm going to slam it down and say some rehearsed line when I know that the cameras aren't on, but the microphones are. But there you go. We know my feelings on that. Um, if you enjoyed the show, as usual, thumbs up on YouTube, subscribe on the podcast, etc., etc. Um, we're going to try and do a World Cup thing with Statman um, before the World Cup starts. So we'll get this out before then. Um, Joe, where are you on Twitter again? Joe Fairs. Um, so at Joe Fairs on Twitter. Um, did you get any hatred after your podcast debut, or did you survive? Um, I, I don't read the mentions. Just <laughs> I've got such a fragile personality. <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. But I read all of them, and then and then I think I'm going to re- no, I'm not going to. Re- I'm going to reply. I'm de- no, I'm not going to. Re- I'm definitely going to reply. Um, so you can catch um, Joe again uh, soon. I guess we'll go into some. Are you up for coming on to do some World Cup stuff at some point? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm away for the group stages, mm-hmm. but I may be able to broadcast from a continental location. Oh, where, you, on the where are you going? Are you, are you allowed to reveal this? Yeah, just in Cyprus for two weeks. So. Oh, very nice. Very nice too. How the other half live. Um, so hit Joe up on Twitter. Give him a follow because you're going to be seeing him um, on the podcast next season. I will be back with Dave. I don't know when for um, the last 13 games and... Mick flouncing off an announcement and the teacup and then Brian Klug and then Freddie Sears is going to score and everyone's going to end the season happy and we're going to finish above Norwich. It's all going to be it's all going to be great. A story of a happy ending. Um, Joe, say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. And we will see you soon. Thank you for watching. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.